We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hello and welcome to the Esports Biz Show. I'm your host, Justin Jacobson. This week we'll be discussing esports media. Just as a disclaimer, nothing here is intended as legal advice, as all of the information is for educational purposes only. This week's guest is Sam Cook. As the co-founder and managing director of Esports Insider, Sam has led the growth and development of the company and the brand and managed it day-to-day since 2016. Sam is also the co-founder of a corporate esports tournament series, the Work From Home League, and is an advisor for venture group Rewired.gg and for mobile esports provider Gamer Pro. The Esports Insider operates in various capacities, including managing an esports news site, an industry journal as an event organizer, and as an industry advisory and consultancy role. Thanks for joining us. Justin, thank you very much for having me. What an introduction. My pleasure. I mean, you know, you've done a lot of stuff, so, you know, kind of going to go into it. So tell us a little bit, you know, about your previous esports experience. You know, what was the first game you played? Oh, the first, um, the very first game I remember playing was, uh, and it goes, it goes back a while. Did you ever have one of the big old game, well, the very first Game Boy, like the massive gray one? Yeah, the big gray one. Yeah. yeah. Like that was, I mean, I didn't even have that. My brother had that. But the first game I remember playing was a game called tennis <laughs> on there and it, it was actually a fantastic little tennis game mate but yeah good memories of good memories of that and of stealing slash borrowing my brother's uh giant game boy as often as i could right it's like how far have game boys come in like through right. our time even uh yeah i mean even even the game boy color <laughs> was i remember i got the game boy color and they had that um the digital camera attachment that you would have for the game boy color even that I remember being amazed and blown away with uh, like the advances in gaming technology from uh, like black to white and just 
uh, Game Boy being able to take a a pretty low quality picture, to be honest with you. <laughs> yeah, right. we've come an, an incredibly long way since. So, so how'd you kind of first get into the scene? Yeah, my entry into esports was was a bit strange. I suppose I was working after university, where I studied history, so not really any link to gaming. But uh, after university, I I lived abroad for a while. So based in the UK now, but I lived abroad for a while. And traveled around for a couple of years, really. And whilst I was doing that, I was um, working for a company called SBC, so SBC News, which is gambling industry, like B2B gambling industry news and coverage, um, just to earn a bit of money, really, whilst I was on the go. And so whilst I was working for them, I think maybe it was around 2014 time, something like that, I suggested... Um, that we start covering esports betting, but um, from a B two B perspective, like B two B industry perspective, and esports was, as it arguably is still now, a pretty new market for the bookmakers and for the the big old world of betting. Um, and so that got a, a fair bit of traction, and then we started to bring the esports panels into some of SBC's B two B gambling industry events. I remember James, uh, I think James Dean was for who's head of ESL UK was one of the first guys I met and was on I think every ESI panel for about at least two and a half years and he's still on a fair few now. So <laughs> shout out to James and uh, Anna Bauman I think was on our very first one who was a lawyer at the time and is now obviously doing very well as Rogue are doing very well um, here in Europe. But yeah, that was uh, it was through SBC and through the betting world that I kind of entered the the esports space through a back door, so to speak. And like, yeah, once it um it was properly up and running at SBC, then we looked to um well, uh, the owners at SBC recognized the potential of the esports business world more broadly. And so um I co-founded ESI with uh with the SBC team and it's kind of gone from there, really. So what was it kind of like at the beginning when you kind of initially started it up? Mm. Yeah, very, uh, very different to how it was now. I mean, initially it was just me. Then it was just me and Ollie Ring, who was with us for quite a while. And it was basically us um, covering as much news as possible and doing all of the content ourselves, all of the outreach ourselves. Um, the events, our very first events were uh, Fnatic when they had the bunker space in East London in um, in 2017. And again, ran those pretty much ourselves. Um, Michael, old Duck Moriarty, was one of our first freelance uh, writers we hired. He's now, as uh, he head of esports, he's, he's landed a really good ro- um, esports focused role at Wolves, the football club, the Premier League football club here in the UK. So he's doing great. Um, but yeah, it was it was certainly very different to now. I mean, most of the stories Ollie and I would find would be through like Twitter or otherwise, right? Um, very few, even fewer than there are now, um, big stakeholders working with PR and comms companies. And I guess, yeah, the industry in general has come a long way in terms of professionalization, in terms of amount of people working in it, to be honest with you, in terms of awareness in other industries and such. But yeah, very, very different time for uh, for the industry as it was for ESI when we started out. So how did it kind of grow? Was there like any moment that really kind of stood out to you? It's like, okay, wow, we've now like really leveled up. 
Yeah. Um, I don't know. Yeah, good question. Maybe, I mean, maybe it wasn't until we had um, our ESI um, Hall of Fame. We had our first Hall of Fame event in 2018. And that was as a part of our ESI London conference. But the Hall of Fame part, we shared the venue with um, SBC for their awards show as well. Um, and that venue was the Natural History Museum, which if you've not been, great museum, mate. But uh, it was the Natural History Museum in London. So like one of the most um, iconic buildings when you're inside anyway. And it was amazing. And like, that was, uh, again, shared with SBC, but that was where we hosted our very first Hall of Fame Awards. So, yeah, that was a, a very glamorous, shall we say. And that was, I think, something of a... Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I use the word turning point, but yeah, that was one of the times, one of the few times I've kind of stopped to be like, oh, this is actually really cool. <laughs> We've come right? quite it's a like long we're way. doing it. We're, we're yeah, on the right path yeah. now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It was very glamorous. We had a uh, Carmack was there. Um, Chris Puckett was there. Jason Lake. Uh, this is another reason why Jason Lake is great. I think like he was going to be there, um, and he but he had to accept the award in London at our. ESI London event during the daytime because um, Complexity were playing up the road. I can't remember exactly where it was in London, but anyway, Complexity got further in the tournament than I think many thought they might um, see us go wise. And yeah, so he he had to be there with the team, which again, like that's why he's in the Hall of Fame, right? Because he's a great CEO for them. But yeah, it was Jason, Chris and Carmack. And yeah, that was for sure quite a cool evening. So what's like t- today's day to day like? What do you kind of what's your usual day like? Yeah, I mean that back then it was as I said, Ozzy and I were doing all the writing, all the coverage, and pretty much everything ourselves. Where whereas now I hardly ever write an article anymore. I wrote a piece bizarrely for for City AM the other day, but other than that, I hadn't written anything in a in a long, long time. So my day to day now is much more focused around. Um, I guess the management um, of the team and the day-to-day operations and growth. So we're now ESI is across media for sure, which is probably what we're best known for. So esportsdecided.com. We also have the esports journal, our magazine. So our long form esports B2B content magazine. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Joanne Print. We've got the podcast, the newsletters and such. So that's the media. Then we've got the events arm. So our B2B events rumble on. 
Um, we've done them in London, in New York, in Manchester. Of course, very digital in the recent past, but we're looking at options for getting back to the in real life events quite soon. And um, we've got the work from Home League now, as you mentioned earlier. Um, and our ESI Connect arm is gathering quite a lot of traction in the past six months to a year, which is our agency arm. So, yeah, my day to day is a bit messy, <laughs> you could say, but very much split across um, managing those three arms of the company and always looking at new opportunities, too, of course. Like any good team, hiring the right employees for your front office is just as important as recruiting the best players for the game. That's why you need Indeed. Indeed is the job site that makes hiring as easy as one, two, three. Post, screen, and interview all on Indeed. Get your quality shortlist of candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job description faster. Only pay for the candidates that meet must-have qualifications and schedule and complete video interviews in your Indeed dashboard. According to Talent Nest, Indeed delivers four times more hires than all other job sites combined. Get started right now with a free $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Get a $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Offer valid through June 30th. Terms and conditions apply. Well, yeah, you know, it sounds like the, you know a lot of different things you mentioned, so we're going to tease them out a little bit. So I know mm-hmm. you guys have been hosting these great panels, so... What kind of upcoming ones? What was kind of the thought process between even you know starting to transition to that? Oh, in terms of going moving towards the B two B event, sorry. Yeah, and creating these panels and conferences. Yeah, I mean, I think like that's SBC's business model is very similar to ours, and no surprise, our ESIs was very much based on theirs, which is B two B media, the B two B conferences and events, and they do somewhat on the agency side as well. Um, there's a lot now, right, of these esports B2B events, especially online. But as I said, we've been doing them since 2017. Um, and that started off as just one panel um, or one presentation in the Fnatic bunker, followed by a tournament um, and drinks and food, basically. Typically, loads of takeaway pizzas, and yeah, we've come on a fair way since then. So last, well, not last year, the year before last, right? We had our first show in um, New York. So in Manhattan, uh, we had the rooftop there for the after party. So that was uh, yeah, quite a long way away from our earlier events. Um, as I mentioned, Natural History Museum and such, like the events have come a long way. But the, and as I said, there's a lot of these B2B events, but I think it's the content of, um, the panels and the agendas that we put together that really differentiates us and puts us apart from um, some of the events out there. So there's a lot now, right? Which is a good thing, I think, like a rising tide and all that. But we really spend a lot of time making sure that the panels are on point. We have the right speakers. We have an interesting and, uh, I suppose, diverse set of topics on the agenda. So it's not always just isn't esports growing and getting bigger? Right. What is esports and why yeah. should you do it? Exactly. And like, isn't there a big opportunity for brands and esports? Like, yes, there is. And those conversations do need to be had still, I think. Like we we forget, I guess, um, ourselves, right? Because we're in the bubble of the esports space. We forget how limited general awareness of this industry still is, by and large, at least, and especially in um, parts of the Western world. Um, so those panels are still needed, but we do try and do ones that are 
a bit of a deeper dive and panels that would be interesting for people that have worked in the space for a long time as well. Yeah, I mean, I think that's important, you know, as you mentioned, and I know I speak on a bunch of these kind of panels myself mm. where, you know, you have to have this more introductory experience because there's so many people, whether it's students, you know, current practitioners that are learn- trying to learn more about it or just other businessmen. Because I think that, you know, as you know, the business of esports and even the laws that relate on it is just so different than a lot of these other areas, but there's also a lot of similarities. So I think it tends to bring in people who are maybe working in other ancillary entertainment worlds and want to get in on it, but they want to do it right and understand it. Exactly. Um, so the esports journal you had mentioned, so, you know, kind of why'd you guys create it and, you know, what's the future of it? Yeah, I suppose a bit of a weird one that, right? In that we do esports is amongst the more um, technologically focused and digitally savvy uh, industries worldwide, but We've released a, a print magazine and like, print is dead, isn't it? Um, I don't know. I think I, I like it for starters. Like I always backed it because I started off um, on the journalist route and like I still like writing as and when I get the opportunity. And personally, like not often granted, but I still buy the newspaper on a Sunday. Like I still like to hold a You're one of those 10 thing. people? Yeah, I still there's a copy of GQ, the magazine on the floor next to me. Like I still uh, I still quite like reading print. So maybe I'm just old school in that in that sense. But I don't know. I personally think in terms of um, esports as an industry like we. I, I think it does help to legitimize it somewhat. And like maybe that's quite a bold claim. It probably is. But I think it's important that we have um that type of media as well and like people like seeing their work in print people like seeing their name in print and such like we haven't um struggled to get content for it put it that way and like it it's not um it's not a huge money spinner for sure but it definitely holds its own and is a nice addition to um to our media arm in terms of the commercial side of things so like, and, what is it? Is it more of like an industry journal or is it just select articles, you know, for yeah, it's it's typically um it's typically deeper dives. So let's say your average feature piece on the Esports Insider on the site is about maybe eight hundred words or so, nine hundred words, something like that. The average feature in the journal is um around thirteen hundred. So it's a bit of a deeper dive. Um and we've had some great pieces on there, like our last um our last almost recent edition, we had Sergio Aguero as uh, as one of the the cover stars, which says a lot, I think. And like he's that's a great piece actually. And there's just some nice like longer reads in there that would probably be too long and not sit so comfortably um, on just the website. So that's the idea of it that it's not um, not news pieces, of course, or anything like that, but. Uh, longer form interviews slash thought leadership pieces in and around the um, the esports space. Who's it kind of like intended for? Like other practitioners or just, you know, people that are esports fans? Yeah, um, primarily for sure. It's still B2B focused. So anyone working in and around the industry um, is the main audience who it's for. Like ordinarily we have it available at, um, it's been at esports bar, it's been at our ESI events, of course. Um, and it will be at events in the future. Um, there were talks to have it at the V Hive um, Vitality's HQ in Paris, 
It'll be a platform like one of the esports and gaming bar restaurants here in London. So we just want it to be where um, people from in and around the industry might gather. Like some of the content for sure, I imagine, would be of interest to fans, but it's still um, it's still definitely uh, a B two B out there. Like my thinking initially for it was um, when we're speaking to football clubs here in the UK, oftentimes there's that barrier or, or one of the blockers is that the, the decision makers are um, not too savvy with what esports is or really or what it is as an industry and so on and so forth. So I think, think putting something like the esports journal in their hands um, might help to solve that problem at least somewhat. And we're partnered with a company called LMG on it as well. So Latea Media Group. And they're based in Buenos Aires over in Argentina. So we've got the Spanish edition and the English language edition as well. Awesome. And I think that it's great because it kind of adds its credibility the same way, you know, you have Variety or Billboard magazine and, you know, other industries mm -hmm. where it's like, these are industry publications that I've been, you know, my law firm has been getting Billboard for decades and it's still getting Billboard, even though it's noticeably smaller than it used to be. It's just kind of one of these things that you just have to have because the billboard charts, the hot rising, all of these things, while they may be accessible online, just not the same. Exactly. Exactly. That's our thinking. And it's not going to be every month, right? It's not every week. It's this last year, it was quarterly. This year, there'll be three editions throughout the year. So yes, it, we want it to be something that people look forward to as well. And it's like, it means something when you are interviewed in it, for example, as well. So that's the that's the intention. It's still fairly early days, right? We've only, um, I think this next one is edition eight. So we've not done many. <laughs> but yeah, still definitely fully committed to it. Awesome. I mean, I think that it's great. And, you know, I know you kind of mentioned the, you know, the work from home league. So what is that? And, you know, why was that created? Yeah, sure. So that one's, um, yeah, that one's very different. But one I'm very, very excited about actually. Like last year, so it's the, yeah, going back a bit, it's the, WFH League, right? So it's the work from home, win from home league. So it's a collaborative effort between us at ESI um, and Platform, who I mentioned just a moment ago, which is an esports and gaming themed bar restaurant in London, in um, in Shoreditch, if anyone is in town. But so they have the venue, um, and we are obviously like the B2B news and events and such day to day. So our original conception for the idea and original thinking for wfh league was to have it at platform um every so often for like one month every week on a tuesday that could be uh that's the csgo night right where you and colleagues from work you form a team and you go down to platform and you play in the work from home league representing your company so it's a fun thing for colleagues to do and hang out like nice social thing it's competitive, but it's casual. So it's a nice vibe. It's a nice networking thing. You get to meet other companies that are interested in the esports space in some way, shape or form. And obviously good for platforms to get people down there. And I think it's a good thing for the industry because in the UK, we have, as you might imagine, so many of the football, soccer, five-a-side leagues. But there hasn't been, as far as I know anyway, there hasn't really been a video games version of that. So that's all this was um and is geared up to be uh obviously last year meant that we had to launch it purely and run it purely online so we did two seasons one in fifa 
and uh, CS, wingman only though, um, and a second season in CS and Rocket League. And we were over by the second season. We were oversubscribed with teams, and we had Twitch had a staff team, Control Freak had a staff team, um, Blast, Barclays, the bank, um, blah blah blah. The list goes on. Like very different types of companies from within the space and around the space were all super keen. Uh, one of them asked if they could have, when they were um, looking for more information about it, asked if they could have five teams in the league. And we came back with, well, there's only eight teams in it. So like, I don't really think that would work. But we've announced season three recently, which will have the spring campaign, which will be online only, autumn, which will be at platform, and winter, which will be purely online as well. And again, we're already oversubscribed for CSGO. We're nearing um, a full count for Rocket League and we're doing one in Brawlhalla for spring as well. So yes, I think people seem to like the idea of it. Um, we raised a bit of money for special effects, the charity last year as well. So working with them again to support them this year. And yes, I, I don't know, we'll see where it goes, right? But got quite high hopes for it. Sounds like a good time. I feel like it would do well here over here in New York. You know, I'm thinking of the venue mm. and, you know, the things that I've done is similar to that with, you know, these kind of networking events where it might be like, you know, a live art show or an album release party, but you're getting these individuals in the industry in a medium that's not necessarily, hey, let's just look at each other and listen to a panel. It's more of a sociable kind of interaction. You bond a little bit with your colleagues and, you know, like you said, you start to over time network with these other people that have a similar interest. And I think that is the biggest advice, you know, I'm sure you get this question all the time. Mm. How do you get into this? How do you grow in it? And going to things like that where you're interacting and networking, but it's not, Hey, here's my business card. Here's my resume. It's a different kind of interaction is how you really create this meaningful connection and, you know, this is the person that is going to enjoy you, not because of your resume, because they enjoy talking to you, having a drink with you, playing some FIFA. And from there, who knows? Exactly. I mean, that's that's the idea of it, right? Like That's why we had some nice prizes in, in the last last year anyway, from Razor, from Noble Chairs and such. But we don't have and there's absolutely no plans to ever incorporate any kind of prize pool because we want it to be. Like we have the casters and that, but we want it to be friendly, like competitive and casual, but friendly. And like we want it to be inviting and we want people that are brand new to it to feel comfortable enough to kind of give it a go as well as it be a place for people that, um, like James Duffield, for example, competed in the the CS um, last year and he's good. <laughs> they have teams.gg and they're, they're very CS focused and they're good, but we want it to be some there to be something for everyone and exactly as you say like it's a nice way to for people to get to understand the space as well so when we're speaking to at ESI for example when we're speaking to a new brand or service provider that um wants to learn more about esports and like if and how they might be able to be involved um we can of course we can do the consultancy piece we can invite them to the events we can um do some media work with them but then we also have this and like, what better way for a company's um, staff to understand the esports space than to take part themselves in like a fun and friendly um, 
organized but not <laughs> we're not ESL right but an organized competition uh, that's structured and whatnot and so they get an idea of what it's like um in the real esports world if you will with the ESLs and blasts and so on so that's the idea of it and yeah people seem to have taken to it quite well so yeah we'll see how uh, we'll see how this year goes and obviously in awesome when we host our first in real life edition that will be a uh, interesting too Absolutely. So, you know, I know you kind of mentioned it a little bit, but let's go into it a little bit more. So tell us about some of the consultation work that, you know, Esports Insider has been doing. Yeah, I mean, this is a, a common one, right? Like the As the esports space has grown, so have the amount of esports consultants. <laughs> but uh, there is, of course, and it's somewhat made fun of and all of that, but there's a huge need still for um, genuine and well-considered esports And the right advisory. consultants, right? Isn't that the key? You have to have the right consultants. Yeah, exactly right, man. Exactly right. And I think we're quite well-placed for that without, like, it's, it's our every day, right? With the news, with the events, that's what we do every day. So in, whether um, the consultancy is fairly simple in terms of working recommendations to work with XYZ uh, for um xyz reasons that's the kind of thing we can do and also the amount of times we've just done this is what esports is workshops and then the companies have been um kind of over the moon and delighted with just that alone because again i think we many of us in this space forget that not everyone knows what esports is still like people still confuse esports with streaming like with influencer culture etc 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 um and so just writing those wrongs and helping to push people in the right direction and give them guidance where needed. Um, yeah, that's that's definitely something we offer on the ESI Connect side of things. Awesome. So what's your favorite part of the job? Yeah, uh, good question. I mean, it probably once upon a time was um, the amount of travel that would be involved to some degree. It probably it was the most tiring part of the job as well, but it was exciting. Like esports is naturally, excuse me, naturally very much a um, global industry. Like we work, by which I mean we work with clients um, everywhere from Asia through to the USA. Of naturally a lot in the USA as well. But yeah, the travel part of it for sure was something I enjoyed a lot. Hopefully, we'll enjoy again when we're a. Uh, all back on the road, the events and the social aspects of it all. I mean, I still do think most people that work in this space do so because um, they enjoy video games in some way, shape or form, right? So there is that link back to at least one shared um, passion point with the vast majority of people you speak to. And most people you speak to, I think, in this space are, um, yeah, they're in it because they're, committed passionate about it and about helping to grow it as well so yeah i guess it'd be the people and um back in the old world it was the travel aspect as well i mean i totally agree with that point so so what's the hardest part about it um the yeah good question uh about working in esports in general yeah yeah um i guess the hardest part is probably also the part that's makes it the most exciting which is the lack of structure like <laughs> at times um that can make it challenging in terms of um, what process you go through to do 
X, Y, Z, but also how creative you're able to get with it. Like there's, I, I've not got the research for this whatsoever, but I would imagine there's more um, CEOs in their 20s and early 30s in esports than there are the majority of other industries in the world, right? Like there's it's a lot of young people working in this space, myself included, um, which is, good I suppose, both good and bad. But uh, yeah, it's definitely uh, it's definitely challenges at times, the uh, the lack of structure. But that's just because we forget, right? Like I remember being at Fanatic's um, 15th birthday party event before uh, before the world shut down. Like for that, 15, <laughs> that's not old. And yet they are relatively old by esports team standards, right? We've come such a long way in the past few years that we forget relatively how young the industry still is, I think. Absolutely. And just kind of how almost uncertain it is where it's like, you know, one day this is what's happening. And then a month later, it could pivot totally to a different direction. And exactly. what was the truth a month ago doesn't hold any weight. Yeah, definitely. Exactly. So, you know, what's a little advice for, you know, prospective journalists trying to, you know, start on this path? Um, and yeah, with that, yeah, with a nod to the point I was just making, like the potential to um, like make your own way and like carve your own path is considerable. Like you can come a long way um, in a relatively short amount of time in this space as well. Like most people that you speak to are, uh, are friendly you can reach out to them directly i mean people that are still and um, people that are in like the positions of power and the decision makers across companies throughout the industry reach out to them i always say to people don't be nervous about that like maybe you don't get um a response no but maybe one in 10 one in 15 one in 20 times you do um and so don't be scared obviously of the rejection or of being ignored but um try your luck i think journalists specifically as well we naturally um get quite a few applications from people that are interested or say they are interested in the journalism side of things and being as specific as they can about being as specific and as honest as they can about what their strengths and weaknesses are and also what they want to do um is important we get so many people that apply that say they want to work in the esports space I would but doing what and then we'll have different jobs up and they would apply for the journalist role the events assistant role and basically any other role we have available on Hitmarker. and I get it like that's also um an admirable trait right in a way that they're just very keen to work in this space but I think figuring out people need to figure out sometimes the role they really want to do and then focus the applications and their energies and resources accordingly. Yeah. I mean, I think that's great advice. It's like, yeah, you want to get into it, but you also want to get it in the right way and the right, you know, avenue that fits. So is there anything mm. that you specifically look for that, you know, maybe stands out to you in an application? Yeah. People that have done their homework, to be honest with you, I, we get an overwhelming amount of applications that at least read or seem to suggest that, um, we're just a general esports news coverage site as opposed to the niche within a niche that is esports business. Um, and that is what we cover day to day, right? Like we don't cover when a player switches team to team. We cover when a team signs a new brand partner, investor, whatever. 
Um, so people that have done their homework, that is that already sets you aside from a lot of the competition, put it that way. And people that have done their homework, that's at a basic level, right? People that have done their homework properly that mention in their um, initial application letter something about ESI Connect or something specific that shows that they've read through the site, they've read through how we're structured as a company, et cetera, et cetera. That kind of thing resonates hugely. And that's true as it is us for, I'm sure, any company operating in this space or indeed any industry. Right. I think that's some great advice where it's like you have to actually know what you're getting into. And I think that a lot of people that want to get in just want to get in from any way. And while that's admirable, it's not the right way and it's probably not going to work. Exactly. Yeah, I think so. And also it's it's exhausting, right? Like applying for, I've been there, applying for multiple roles and writing new cover letters for every application you make and such. And that's why going back to my earlier point, like figure out, try to figure out what it is you want to do first. Like, yeah, you want to work in the esports industry. That's cool. But don't then just apply for any role. Like figure out what your strengths are and what you want to do as well. And then apply for those roles and focus your efforts more on those roles than just broadly trying to break into the space. Awesome. So, you know, kind of, kind of concludes it all together. What's the future for esports insider? You know, where's it going from here? Yeah. Um, who knows, eh? Where's esports going from here? There's, so as I said, we've got the three arms, we've got the media arm. Um, we've got where it's editorial, both digital and print, where it's podcasts, newsletters and such. Um, the connect arm, the agency arm and the events as well. I mean, the events, I'm very excited to get back to them. Um, ultimately, we have ESI London, which is our flagship B2B conference. I want us to have a flagship esports B2B conference here in London, but also in the States, also in um, out in Asia, also in Latin America as well, like a rapidly emerging region when it comes to the esports industry, right? So a continued development of the events arm, especially when we're back at it, the expansion of the work from Home League, which we talked about a bit. Um, and I think that we're going to do a lot more with Connect as well, which is our agency arm. And I, there's a lot of agencies um, in and around the esports and gaming space, but I still think there's huge potential for um, one or a few of them to take the lead in certain specialized areas. So yeah, we'll be doing a lot more with Connect as well in the coming couple of years. Awesome. Well, that all sounds really exciting. So, you know, I really kind of like to end each episode with my three questions. So mm -hmm. you know, what's your favorite game to watch? Um, I, ever since we had it in, um, work from home league, especially rocket league, I love, and I think because I played one or two games, we had a, a team in the work from home league as well ourselves. And I played in one of the games and I knew I wasn't good at rocket league, Justin, but I, I didn't think I was that bad. So it, uh, I think it uh, reminded me just how good the, uh, the real players are. So yeah, rocket league I've been loving more recently. So what about your favorite game to play? Um, I still I still do love FIFA, to be honest with you. I'm like, I'm not a massive big esports guy from way back when. So always loved FIFA growing up and have played every year of it. So FIFA or I did also at the start of lockdown play through all of the old school Call of Duties. So yeah, Cod or FIFA, I would say at the moment. Go through okay. phases. 
So who's your favorite video game character? You know, Mario, Luigi, Link? Um, do you remember, did you ever get into Rayman? <laughs> do you remember Rayman? No. He had no, like, he had, like, just the hands and no art, no bits of arm. <laughs> Rayman, I loved it. Again, I think that was, a, oh, was that the first PlayStation? Or maybe that was, like, early days PS2, but the Rayman games I absolutely loved. And again, like, memories of playing them um, with brother and cousins and stuff. So, yeah, nostalgia-wise, I'd probably say that one. Awesome. Well, you know, thank you so much for joining us. This was extremely insightful. So tell everybody where they can find you. Oh, all of the social media platforms. No, actually, not many of them. I'm on Twitter far too regularly. It's very sad. Um, And LinkedIn. Anyone can reach out. So, yeah, please do. And check esportsinsider.com for all your most up-to-date esports business info. Of course. Indeed. Do that every day, right? Justin, yeah, thank you very much for having me. It's been a pleasure. My pleasure. You know, thanks everybody again for tuning in and make sure to follow me on Twitter, Justin J E S Q, and check Apple Podcasts for all our past episodes. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in a new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series now streaming on Showtime. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's U-N-I-F-Y-D healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.